welcome to the Women's Investor Community Podcast. I'm Diana Ritchie. Topic for today's episode is, is the stock market going to crash? And this is a topic that needs no introduction because this is the fundamental fear that keeps us all from investing. We know that we should be invested. We want to make money. We want to move toward financial freedom. And the number one fear that holds us back is, what if I put my money in? What if I invest my money and the stock market crashes and I lose all of it overnight? So in this episode, we will break down um, the question of, is the stock market going to crash with a view toward uncertainty and how we manage uncertainty in each one of the investing styles? So with that, let's dive in. If you listened to the episode last week, episode four, you know that we broke down three different investing styles. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I'd encourage you to go back because it can be a useful primer on what we'll talk about today. The three investing styles were trading, passive index investing, and then value investing. Each one of those styles carries a very different psychological mindset, like we talked about in episode four. Each one of those investing styles also carries a very different approach to managing uncertainty. So before we get into those approaches about managing uncertainty, the the punchline of this episode, Let's talk a little bit head on about the question of, is the market going to crash? The big picture answer is no one has any idea. Anyone who tells you that they know that the stock market is going to crash tomorrow or next month or five years from now is simply blowing smoke because We as investors have to accept that we don't know. We cannot predict the future. The stock market is uncertain. The future is uncertain. And it is a fool's errand to try to predict the future. Let's address, however, some of the common ways that people try to predict a market crash so that we can be alert to it. First of all, A lot of people will look at the economy and they'll look at economic indicators in order to try to read the tea leaves, so to speak. So, for example, if you turn on CNBC or other financial news, you will see all sorts of things about the economy, GDP, gross domestic product, payroll numbers, employment numbers, industrial production numbers, all of these different ways to measure what's going on in the underlying economy. Logically speaking, one would think that, you know, let's just take the U.S. for example, one would think that if the U.S. economy were strong, and thriving and doing well, that the U.S. stock market 
would also be strong and thriving and doing well. It is a very logical assumption, and it would be very comforting if those two things were directly correlated. And if you look at long-term historical charts, there is certainly some relationship. The chart of U.S. gross domestic product over time and the chart of, you know, the U.S. stock market over time, they roughly move together. So it's comforting in that sense that there is some logical relationship. However, in the short run, the, you know, time period that we might care about, gross domestic product or other metrics of how strong the actual economy is don't tell us anything about whether the stock market is going to crash. In other words, there most often are times where the economy is performing well and the market is crashing or vice versa. The market is crashing even though the economy is performing well. And so Bottom line, one would think that we should be able to look at how the economy is doing in order to understand how the stock market is going to do. But the reality is that in practice, that relationship doesn't hold. And so don't feel like to be a good investor, you need to be glued to CNBC, listening to all of the economic data in order to figure out what the market's going to do, because that is definitionally noise, not news. Okay, the second myth to debunk is perhaps a little more interesting because if you've been watching the world over the last 10 or 15 years and paying attention to news about the monetary system and our financial system, you will probably be familiar with terms like quantitative easing, which is the fancy term for this idea that the U.S. government, primarily through the U.S. Federal Reserve, is printing unbelievable amounts of money, right? We have more money sloshing around in the system than we have had at any point in history. It started in 2008 with the bank bailouts. Um, never really stopped after 2008. It, it kind of slowed down. But then we got COVID and we got a lot more money in the system in the form of the stimulus packages. And I tell you all that because there is, again, this kind of loose correlation between what the U.S. stock market does and how much money the government has put into the system. In other words, the more money the government dumps into the system, as a general rule, the more the stock market goes up. And that is what we've seen over the last 15 years, more or less. You know, there have been dips in the stock market, but but by and large, it has the stock market has gone up. 
So I tell you that because it's an important correlation to know. Um, the more money that's in the system, the more that money has to find a home. And a lot of that money ends up invested in the stock market. And as a result, stock market prices go up. Okay, so back to the question that we care about, though, for the moment. Can knowledge of monetary policy and what the Federal Reserve is doing help us become better investors or smarter investors? And the answer is, unfortunately, it doesn't have enough predictive power. In other words, just like with the U.S. economy, we know that over time there is this correlation, or, or it's a correlation, exactly. It's a, there is a relationship between the amount of money in the system and what the stock market does. The more money in the system, the more the stock market goes up. But that correlation is not tight enough, it's not detailed enough to actually give us actionable information. And so again, the takeaway here is don't feel like you need to be glued to news about U.S. monetary policy or news about U.S. interest rates or news about what the Federal Reserve is doing in order to be a good investor. Because you might get the impression that you can only be a good investor if you're tracking this stuff very closely and talking about interest rates at cocktail parties. The reality is it just doesn't have that much predictive power. So just like with economic news, our conclusion on monetary policy is in terms of whether it's useful information to us, it is more news than noise. So let us come back to the question at hand. Is the U.S. stock market going to crash? The answer is, we have no idea. It is, for all intents and purposes, inherently random. We can't predict it, and we shouldn't waste our time trying to predict it. That leaves us, of course, with the question of how am I supposed to be a thoughtful investor? Because on the one hand, it's liberating to just admit that we will never know. We will never be able to predict the future, including what the stock market's going to do. On the other hand, that liberating answer is also deeply unsatisfying because it leaves us with a question of how do we move forward as investors in the face of uncertainty. And so let's take each one of the three investment styles that we talked about last week. Let's take them each in turn. The first investment style we talked about last week is trading. And as you'll recall, trading encompasses um, mathematical strategies, uh, day trading, probability-based strategies. So the common thread in trading strategies is that 
you don't know how any particular trade is going to turn out. But what you do know is that if you just keep placing trades, you will win more than you lose, or at least that's what the model that you're using says. And so when we are trading and when we are psychologically wearing our trading hat, if that is a strategy that we employ in our investment practice, then the way we manage uncertainty, the way we manage the fact that we don't know what the market's going to do is we just keep trading. We are essentially playing the odds and betting that if we just keep showing up, keep placing trades, keep placing trades, even if we're winning, even if we're losing, just keep placing trades, we are betting that over time and on average, we will win more than we lose. So that is how traders manage uncertainty. Investing style number two that we talked about last week is, of course, passive index investing. Passive index investing, as you'll recall, is we buy a fund that is broadly diversified. It holds, say, the 500 largest stocks in the U.S. stock market in the case of an S&P 500 fund, for example. And the way that we manage uncertainty as passive index investors, if that is a style that we employ in our investing practice, is we simply buy and hold. So the number one thing to do as a passive index investor is you put your money in the market, you get it in there as as soon as you're willing to invest, right? Because time is your friend in passive index investing. And the way we manage the question of, gosh, I have no idea what the market's going to do, is we just leave our money in the market. So when we are wearing the passive index investing hat, the key is you put your money in and whatever you do, you do not sell, right? Because we don't know what the market's going to do. We do know that the market is going to go up. We also know the market's going to go down. We know it's going to go up. We know it's going to go down. And as passive index investors, we manage the uncertainty of what the market's going to do by simply putting our money in and not touching it. So again, the rule of passive index investing, buy and hold. And then the third style of investing that we talked about last week is, of course, value investing. And value investing is about researching a company, understanding it really deeply, and then buying it on sale, like we talked about. And value investors manage the uncertainty that is inherent in investing by investing with a margin of safety. So the idea here again, like we talked about last week, is if a value investor is buying a particular stock, the value investor will look at that stock and say, gosh, I think it's worth $100 a share, for example. And then the value investor will say, I'm invariably going to be wrong about my valuation. 
And I also don't know whether the market's going to go up or down. All I know is that I, as a value investor, am going to wait until that stock goes on sale for, in most cases, 50% off. So the world's best value investors will say, I think the stock is worth $100. I know I'm going to be wrong. So the most I'm willing to pay for one share of the stock is $50. And that is how value investors manage the uncertainty inherent in investing. And that is how they manage the simple fact that no one can predict the future and no one knows what the market's going to do. Value investors simply sit around and wait until the stock is trading for a price that they feel comfortable with. So big picture takeaway from this episode is hopefully in some ways it takes some pressure off, right? Because so often I think investing feels like an exercise in predicting the future. You know, people talk about it like, oh, we're reading the tea leaves. We're trying to figure out what the economy is going to do and what the market's going to do and what interest rates are going to do. And I think it's really liberating for us to throw all that aside, essentially, and operate from the fundamental truth that no one can predict the future. We can't. The experts can't. No one can predict the future. And no one can answer for you the question of, is the stock market going to crash? From there, we view investing as an exercise in managing uncertainty. And that is how we approach it. And so depending on the investment style that we're using, we have these different techniques to manage uncertainty. Each investment style has its own unique way of managing uncertainty. And I hope that from an emotional perspective, this has given you more courage to get curious about investing and to let go of the pressure to feel like you have to know the future or have absolute certainty before you make an investment. Rather, we're using tools to manage the uncertainty that is inherent in the fact that no one can predict the future. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Women's Investor Community Podcast. Of course, if you have questions about money or your personal finances, please feel free to drop us a voice note from the homepage at dianaritchie.com.